John Ubaldi with Ubaldi Report, and always with me is my good friend and fellow Marine and co-host, Big Bad Joe Bitts. How's it hey. going, Big Joe? Good Joe, let's not, or good John, let's not forget the Heroes Media Group. Yep, we've got to remember that. Heroes Media Group is a great sponsor of this podcast, and we thank all the listeners who are part of that for following and taking part in Ubaldi Reports. Yeah. So, John, what you got going on? What's been going on lately over in the world of John? Well, right now, it's just working like a dog at Chick-fil-A. Is you it? complained after Hurricane, what was it, Elsa? that You got shorted a couple hours, but now not anymore. So what is it? You want more hours? You want less hours, John? Well, what I, I don't want, I mean, I want the na- normal hours that I normally get. I don't want to lose hours, but I just like you said, I made it up because I always don't leave when I'm supposed to leave. I do a little extra overtime because things need to get done. Yeah. So like yesterday, I had two hours of extra overtime because the dishwasher went out and you got to wash the dishes by hand. And it takes a lot of dishes to get that stuff through. And uh, lots been going on media wise. And I mean, one of your articles had resurfaced when it comes to them pulling out of Iraq when it comes to. No, that was Afghanistan. Afghanistan. That's right. And what else? I mean, and you, you get a lot of research done for someone that works about, I don't know, 10 hours a day. I try my best every chance I get, even at work, when I get a break, I just scan the my news feeds to see what's going on in the world. And you came up across something interesting, especially when it comes to our military. So what was that that you found? Well, there was a report written by two retired um, field grade officers, general officer staff, meaning admirals and a general. It was called the report on the fighting culture of the United States Navy surface fleet. Now it was written by, and it was conducted at the direction of Senator Tom Cotton Congressman Jim Banks, Congressman Dan Crenshaw, and Congressman Mike Gallagher. But the report was done by Lieutenant General Robert Schmidl, if I pronounce his name right, United States Marine Corps retired, and Rear Admiral Mark Montgomery, United States Navy retired. And what they did, they took, they wanted to see if this was just an isolated incidences. And what I'm referring to is they took the cases of the USS Fitzgerald, which hit another ship in Japan. They took the case of the USS John McCain that hit another ship as well. They took the surrender of a U.S. patrol boat to the Iranians in the Persian Gulf. And then they took the latest case was the USS Bonham Richard in the port of San Diego, which we lo- almost lost the ship and they saved it, but they eventually decommissioned it. So, so uh, they wanted to see, are these isolated instance, instances or are these something far greater? And they found that this is something far greater. So what under what administration was this all in now? Well, it, the first couple were under the, the Obama administration and the last one was under the Trump administration. This is the, the USS Bonham Richard. But we shouldn't be political on how this is put together. One of the big things they found was after the end of the Cold War, the U.S. Navy didn't have any peer competitor. So they focused on other things. Now, then after really intensified after 9-11. 
once we started to go into Iraq and Afghanistan, really the only services that were involved were the Army and the Marines took the, the brunt of the ground uh, fighting and the Air Force had all its logistics and you know other assortment. But the Navy really didn't play a part in these conflicts, except for your Navy SEALs and maybe their intelligence and some of your um, air refueling. But that's about it. Mm-hmm. So what they found is the Navy's warfighting capabilities have languished. And they blamed the first part that I said, but they also blamed the Navy for not preparing itself for the next war. Like if we had to go to war with China, there was all the, the members of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I think it was 2017. Is it 2017 or 2018? John McCain, the former senator, when he was on the Armed Forces Committee, and he was as chair in that committee, he had asked all the um, leaders of their respective services, would the United States prevail in a major complex conflict with either Russia or China, most notably China? And they were like, hemmed and hawed, and they said, no, we probably, we might lose that conflict. Now, Navy-wise, right now, we're not talking about ground forces or air. We're no, this saying... is just strictly the Navy. Okay. And, but it was under my, I guess, my presumption that our Navy, our Navy was the best overall, and like a lot of uh, China and even Russia, like their Navy is just like a bunch of like used ships. So that, the, the, that, that's, that was the idea that I had. But am I wrong? You're right. And you're wrong at the same time. It's not that we were under the impression and we always we do have the very capable and probably the best Navy in the world. But at the same time, you've got to train that personnel. You've got to train those ships and some of the things that they found. And here are the specific issues they raised. Insufficient leadership that focuses on war fighting. It said many sailors found their leadership distractive, captive to bureaucratic excesses, and the reward for the successful ex- execution of administrative factors rather than their skills as a war fighter. Well, I can almost see something. So we have a, a friend and her, I guess, maybe her baby daddy or ex-husband or whatnot he was in he's in the navy and he's going to be he just hit his 20-year mark he's gonna hit 24 years yet he's still i I don't even think he might just be a senior chief and why why wouldn't someone be like i would think that say you or i you to the top with your rank your master gunnery sergeant you can't go any further than that unless they've come out with a Master Gunner Sergeant of the Marine Corps. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. So, I mean, I could definitely understand, is there like a leadership or is there just kind of like, are they just very, is the Navy just being a little over PC? And the reason why I'm concerned about the Navy is because the Marine Corps is a department of. So does that mean they're going to start imposing their, what's going on with them onto the Marines? Well, but see, that's a, that's a good point because, the chairman of the Joint Chief, General Milley, he spoke a couple of weeks ago in front of uh, Congress. I can't remember if it was the House Armed Service or the Senate Armed Services. And I think it was the Senate. And he was talking about this extremist. He was also talking about critical race theory, trying to find out why, why people are extremists. When 
you see China building up its navy. You see China building up its its efforts in the South China Sea. You've seen China get more aggressive with Taiwan. You see what Russia's doing. So we're ultra focused on this administrative side, less focused on the war fighting. And there was what it was that there was one senior level. Let me get the actual quote. Let's see. Hold on. I just saw it. Hold on. Let me get to it. Well, while you're looking at that, so. No, here it is. I think this is from a, a, a retired senior enlisted leader. He said, and he stated, I guarantee you every unit in the Navy is up to speed on their diversity training. I'm sorry that I can't say the same for their ship handling training. Now, that's some of the problems what happened to the, um, the collision with the USS John McCain and the USS Fitzgerald. They collided, and some people were, some of the investigators were looking at their ship handling skills, and their ship handling skills had deteriorated because before they got to the fleet, they used to go to this course as a um, surface warfare officer. You had to pass this course before you went to the fleet. It seems like now it's more on the job training. So you're losing that core competence because you've got to focus on other things and then budgetary constraints come in. But one of the other things that was, to me, I thought was interesting is they said that the senior level naval officers up at the admiral levels, and this would be reflective of the Marine Corps, Army, Air Force, probably the same thing, the Coast Guard and National Guard, is the our senior leaders are more worried about how it looks in the paper, how it looks in military times, Marine times, Army times, or whatever their branch and their uh, news organization. They're worried about how this looks. And what I told you once before, when our military commanders go up on front of Capitol Hill, they're given their best advice. But far too often, our military commanders, I'm not saying you have to be rude or disrespectful, but you need to bluntly tell these political leaders that this is the way we're supposed to do it because the mission of the Department of Defense is only twofold, is to, to deter war and protect the homeland. Mm -hmm. And far too often our budget is overburdened with things that do neither. Yeah. So that's something we need to look at. So what under what administration is this currently going under like what is it this is more of trump's this is all this stuff's been going on mostly under the trump administration and the biden administration they're just coming in so is it to no say, this is this has been going on since the end of the cold war it just really intensified because of the the wars in iraq and afghanistan it's not crossing i mean it's crossed as administration you can't just blame one administration over the other it takes years to, to get this. I remember when I joined the military in 1982, it was at the beginning of the Reagan defense buildup. And they flew more comp, more like pilots, had more flight training than ever before. And that's how you went. That's how you, you survive in conflict. We always were doing military exercises and training. But when you're spending more of your efforts on administrative sides that have nothing to do with actual training. Like for us, both of us came from the infantry in the Marine Corps infantry. 
So we should be training. How do we fight and win the next war? Are we training to see and learning? How do the Chinese fight? How are they set up? What is their military establishment? How are they done logistically? Mm-hmm. How do, what are they, what are their strengths and what are their weaknesses? But we're not, as far as I know, we're not doing that. At what point, I mean, cause, okay. So we've been in, in this war going on for 20 plus or 20 years. Okay. Is there something maybe that the defense department's just kind of saying, look, these guys are as trained as trained could be because they've been fighting this war for all this time. And that's why they're like, well, maybe they don't need this much training. Well, but see, the thing is, they, or yeah, are they using the war as an excuse to say, well, they're getting their training because they're going, they're actually, it's a, a, a practical app. They're actually doing it. There's our OJT right there. Yeah, but see, but, but, but Joe, the vast, the, the biggest combat deployment, like for Iraq, was in as soon as they went in 03, all the way up to probably. 07, 08, and maybe carried over into a little bit into the Obama administration. And then for Afghanistan, it was they ramped up pretty substantially in 09, all the way till probably about 2012. But after that, you didn't see mass amount, hundreds of thousands of troops pour into Afghanistan. So are we training for the next conflict? Are we preparing ourselves, like investing in the right infrastructure, the right weapon system. But are we training the biggest what asset the military has is personnel. And one of the things the article mentioned is they're, they're not training surface warfare officers like they once did. Because they said what this report says is the surface Navy has reimagined its officer training programs multiple times in the past 20 years, often seeking efficiencies, even smaller investments that leave the commanding officers with inconsistent and often ill-prepared wardrooms. Mm -hmm. This is where for our listeners who are not in the military on a naval ship, this is where your, the wardroom is where a lounge, it's a a, kind of, I want to say restaurant, but this is where you get your meals and stuff. But if our office, if the military is not trained, and then there's that zero defect mentality. And what they, um, if you look through history, the top admirals, some of the top admirals in World War II, Admiral Nimitz, Admiral Halsey, Admiral Leahy, and Admiral King, in today's military, never would have made it past captain because of political correctness, because they did things, they made mistakes early in their career, would have doomed their chances. Look at... Look at Patton, so the things that Patton did. Mm-hmm. He never would have made it in today's military. Or look at Eisenhower. Eisenhower spent, I think, 14 years as a major. In today's military, he would have been drummed out of the Corps, out of the Army. It was I, I missed the quote. Uh, I can't find it right now. But it was like one of the quotes was, it will take four divisions to take this one area. And Patton responds back. It's like, yeah, we, we already took that with two divisions. What do you want me to do? Give it back to them. Oh, that was down in when he took Palermo in yeah. Sicily. I mean, yeah, Patton, Patton was definitely a badass. I mean, but it's also is now the, the general position, especially for all services. Is that more of a political position now as well? Well, I would look at this report was strictly, about the Navy and its surface warfare, 
but I would probably take take this report and look at all the branches of the service. They all need to look at what is our, what are we trying to do? We got threats from Russia. We got definitely threats from China. Trying to, China's trying to overtake the United States. Yeah, our like you said earlier, they have a much bigger navy than we are. But I think our qualitative advantage is there. But they still have the quantity. But if we're not doing the deterrence we need, and if our sailors, airmen, marines, soldiers, and the like, if they're spending all their time on diversity training, look at the biggest debate that we're having now, the critical race theory. They're being taught that at the, neighbor, at the what do you call it, the Air Force Academy in um, Colorado Springs. They're, wait, they're being taught the critical race theory at the academy in, at the Air Force Academy. You got it. That is blowing my mind. I, I I wouldn't think is, but is the Air Force Academy attached to the Air Force or is it just? No, like- that's that's part of the Air Force. That's run by the Air Force. They have civilian instructors, but they also have Air Force personnel like officers who teach there. So you were talking about China for a bit. And just today, the Biden administration was talking about taking everything that Trump did for China when it comes to trading or trading and stuff like that and just kind of reversing that? Well, so far, I would push back. So far, he hasn't done reverse some of the trade policies, some of the tariffs as of yet. But this is what China's looking at. They perceive the United States as weak. Mm -hmm. So as George Washington said in front of a joint session of both the House and the Senate, the surest way to preserve peace is to prepare for war. Now, one of the recommendations it said is get politics and the media out of the wardroom, renew the Navy's noble tradition of remaining out of politics, limit social media and activities by Navy officials and discourage the use of toxic platforms by sailors, remove all political, social, sociological topics from professional, me, professional me, military education. And this is what they, that one retired enlisted had said and replaced them with essential war fighting coursework. So we need to get back to the job of the Navy is to keep the sea lanes open. And that means sinking other enemy combatant ships, just like we have our mission. The Army has its. The, Na- the Air Force has this. But we need to get back to the purpose of the Department of Defense is to deter war and protect the homeland, not to engage in all this social engineering. And this is where our general officers need to, f- to stand up, not be rude, not be crass, not be vindictive, and just say, listen, this is going to prevent us from going to war. Nobody goes to war with a country they perceive to be strong. Our history was ripe when they, at the end of the Second World War, they went back to Germany and Japan and asked them, why did you guys think you could take on the United States and the West? Because we thought you guys were weak. So I do want to talk about, so you know how it, it kind of was going in the Marine Corps because I remember sexual harassment was like a big thing. So I think it was almost like, and our fiscal year for the military and a lot of government jobs is October. So like October 1st would come around. So like one day in October, they would cram like all the classes, like 
here's your sexual harassment class. Here's your don't take drugs class. Here's your suicide prevention class. All the kind of things that they, the military wanted us to have like the check in a box for. We knocked it out in one day with all these classes. But now like you were talking about how the Navy has like diversity training kind of classes and stuff like that, where, you know, which would be a good suggestion that you're saying is like, or maybe we just need to sit them down for the first five days of the fiscal year. This, 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 and this. All right, we're good. Go. Guess what, everybody? It's time for your your training, uh, your actual training. Now, I don't know what it's, I mean, we used to do the same thing. I don't know, because I've been out seven years. I don't mm-hmm. know if, how they're conducting training, but if you, I listen to, some of the testimony on Capitol Hill. I talked to some of the members and there's not this sense of urgency. Now, like I work at Mm Chick-fil-A. If I was the secretary of defense, the first thing I would do, and this is kind of odd saying for somebody who works at Chick-fil-A, but we get at lunch, we get dozens of military personnel from the base come to Chick-fil-A for lunch and they all wear their uniform. If I was secretary of defense, that would end right now. Yeah. You go out in town, you will not wear your camouflage, your utility uniform outside on base, out, outside the base. Mm-hmm. You will put on a dress uniform or a, um, a Charlie uniform or short sleeve shirt with slacks, ribbons. And you're going to look like a, a soldier, sailor, airman, and Marine. And that sets the standard for everything else. And that's the, the military needs to get. And that's why there comes to their budget. They've just passed, or at least they're debating on well over a 700 billion, almost $800 billion defense budget. Well, that goes back to the budget or is everything in the department of defense budget. Does it fit the criteria? Does it help us deter war and protect the homeland? So I kind of want to maybe be not argumentative, but disagree with you on the whole, because you said I would cut off, you can't wear your camouflage utilities or your BDUs or whatever the, they call them, camis. You cannot wear them off base. And I I think I want to disagree with that. And my, my, my point here is because we're Marines and on Camp Lejeune or probably even San Diego, 29 Palms, that is our personal rule. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's world, or I don't think it's military wide i think no it's not but as marines guess what you can't have an earring in your ear you can't have your you can't wear your camouflage utilities out you know out base unless you're picking up your kid or the one the thing that i noticed and we kind of you and i kind of created a business around it with your mcdill is that a lot of people don't know the military is there unless they're actually seeing it firsthand so by somebody in town seeing that person those BDU or seeing those in their utility uniform, that I think is letting them know that hey, we have a military facility around here and they're part of this. But but see, and- you can do twofold. You can do the same thing. It goes back to attention to detail. The reason they did Charlie Friday was to get the, the Marines back to attention to detail. It means pressing your, 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 your trousers, pressing your, your Charlie shirt, yeah, putting your good, ribbons. Yeah, and looking good in on. your uniform. Okay, but the other point is what you're making. If you look at now, anytime you see the Air Force, the Navy, or the Army, they're in their 
utility uniform. What's the iconic uniform of the Marine Corps is that dress blue uniform. Everybody yeah. in this public knows that. Let them be proud of their other uniform, their dress uniform, their Charlie uniform, where people can see their ribbons and badges and stuff and maybe ask questions and talk to them about that. Mm-hmm. But if all you see them is in their, their utility uniform, you don't associate anything else with them. And I see them come in, they got backpacks on, they, they, it just doesn't look prof- military professional yeah. to do that. Well, we come from a different profession as well. Even in the military, Marines were always a cut above the rest. When it comes to like the Air Force, the Navy, and even the Army, like if branch of service was any close to what Marines did, I think I, I would say it would be the Army because they're kind of like the the they're the force that that will overwhelm the enemy with numbers, while we're the force that will just overwhelm the enemy because we're a bunch of crazy bastards. But the other thing that the Marine Corps is synonymous with is the first to fight. We're the first one on the scenes because we're smaller. Yeah, we come off the ships. We had a pre-positioned shipping before, like in the first Gulf War, the Marines were there first because we're, we're not coming in this large mass like the Army. They have a lot of heavy lift divisions that take time to get there. But getting back to the uniform, if you have attention to detail with your uniform, that carries over into your, your workforce, into your job specialty. Oh, but the, whole, but the yep. business that we got to get back to is war this is the whole crux of this is war fighting training it's just like look what happened with the amtrak disaster out in camp pendleton a lot of that was they weren't trained properly and amphibious ap- uh, operations we could talk about all the other stuff that went through mm-hmm. but the problem the marine corps has is we're going this is what the general Berger, the commander of the marine corps wants to do is get Amer- get the Marine Corps back to its amphibious roots. Yeah. We spent too much time doing land combat and we're not used to doing all this stuff. Yeah. No, yeah. go ahead. No, we're used to coming out of the water and attacking that way. But yeah, you like you said, we've been on like dry land for the past 20 years. But see, no. I had a but I had a commanding officer and he was an infantry commander, Fulbert Colonel, Bronze Star winner with Combat V. And when he was an infantry commander at my former um, infantry battalion, he put his unit on everything's back to the basics. We're going to learn the fundamentals of our trade because you can't do this advanced stuff if you don't do that, if you don't understand the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And his unit didn't have any casualties in Iraq. And they were very effective, very capable because they stuck to the fundamentals. Once you understand that, and that goes back to, what they were talking about, the training and surface warfare officers. If they're not training to the fundamentals of their job, to navigation, to seamanship, and all these other things that go along with this, that's how accidents like the Fitzgerald, and that's how accidents like the McCain, and then the war fighting, I don't know what the commander of that patrol boat was thinking to surrender when you're armed. You have all these machine weapons around you and you surrender. Is that just that person or is that a cultural thing that needs to be addressed? Might be cultural. I mean, as you can see, there's a lot changing, especially if a lot of this has kind of been initiated during Obama presidency and then kind of eked on over to the Trump presidency and it's still seen now. But see, but, the, but our generals, 
whether it's over um, Obama presidency or Trump presidency, when they go up in front of Capitol Hill, they allow these elected officials to chastise them. And it's all over diversity. Mm-hmm. We're talking about women in combat. We're Look at what we're discussing now. Transgender service in the military. Is this going to help us win the nation, our war with China? So we just need to get back to war fighting. And that's what the military is about. Not social engineering yeah. the military. Okay. For our listeners, please go ahead and check out ubaldireports.com. Gives us in-depth articles about the subject. And it's great to you know get a little bit more input, more information about this. We're also working on our live stream for so people can see our awesome, handsome looking faces and working on our Patreon. Other than that, how can they get a hold of us, John? You can go to Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com. That's Ubaldi Reports at gmail.com. And where you can go to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, type in Ubaldi Reports. If you go to Ubaldi Reports on Facebook, check out Ubaldi Reports group, and you can find us there. So everybody have a great uh, day, and we'll talk to you soon. You keep listening to Ubaldi Reports.